Hi, I'm Brian. And I'm Michaela. And this is Drink the Movies. A podcast where each week we try to recreate a classic movie drink and discuss the movie that inspired it. Thanks for joining us. Now let's drink the movies. Hello and welcome to episode 58 of Drink the Movies. I am Brian here as always with Michaela. Michaela, 2022, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Indeed. Indeed, indeed. So we rang out the new year. Uh, I did not quite make it up to see the ball drop. Uh, we were, uh, my wife and I were sitting there. We're like, you know, 2021, garbage year. Let's get out of here. Let's let's just go to bed and we'll wake up. It'll we're be just going to quietly exit the room. That's we're not right, going to yeah. make a big deal out of it. We don't want you to claw yourself back into our lives. We're just going to slowly head towards the door. Make That's a- right. That's right. Yeah, the grass will be greener this year, no doubt. We did have some uh, some good champagne. I uh, had some good whiskey on New Year's Eve. Um, you know, some good food. Uh, you know, all that all that good stuff. But yeah, I rang out the New Year. What did you get up to for your New Year's celebration? Did you drink anything good? Or I did well. So we had some Brandy Alexanders because they're fancy, and mm-hmm. we also had some really fun champagne. Um, I had gotten a couple really nice bottles for my birthday which was nice. My birthday was in November. So we just saved them, um, and had some of that. Uh, we had a really beautiful Blanc de Blanc okay. from up in the wine country area near the Finger Lakes. Um, so okay. they're known for their whites as you very well know. Um, mm-hmm. but they do a really lovely sparkling wine. Um, it's really, really tasty. So we had one of those, um, my kiddo stayed up. We had a Shirley Temple for him so he could have a mocktail, which he always liked. And we served it to him in a little fancy plastic, you know, kind of champagne flute. So it was mm-hmm. neat. We did, we did end up staying up till the ball dropped and then uh, went quickly to bed because it was really late at that point. And I'm feeling very old. So yeah, that's uh, right. here's to 2022. I hope it's a better year for everyone. Uh, I hope that it, you know, there's a lot of peace and, you know, uh, health <laughs> in this year. Um, yeah. Let's all listen to scientists and and do the, the I'll do all the things to make sure that we can stay healthy and happy uh, this year. Yeah, that, yeah. that's right. Yeah, that's what I the, did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do all the things to stay healthy and happy. And I have just the thing that's going to make sure that we're starting the new year off happy. And that is two cocktails. So why don't we take a quick break and we will be right back to talk about uh, this week's drinks. So here's the deal. You have a choice. We have a choice for this week's cocktail. You can take the blue pill and your story ends and you wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. Or you can take the red pill and you stay in Wonderland and we'll show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. That's right. And this week we are going down the rabbit hole with two drinks uh, from tasty.com because uh, if you're going to talk about the matrix, uh, you're going to have the option to take your red pill or your blue pill. And we want to give you those options. So two drinks, two pills. Uh, Let's get into these, Michaela. They are a little, uh, I I don't want to say they're super complicated, but they they take a little bit of doing, but they're super cool, uh, super fun. They're delicious. Uh, So let's, let's dive into these. So which one do you think we should start with here? The red pill or the blue pill? I think we should do the blue pill first because that's the safe option, right? Blue pill is the safe option that keeps us right here, uh, imagining that things are peachy keen, jelly bean. Uh, let's do let's do the blue pill. Now you made these up for us uh, when we had these uh, yesterday, and 
uh, quite delicious. So why don't you run through how to make this blue pill? This is the more complicated of the two, I think. So. This is the more complicated of the two, which is kind of interesting because it's the safer version of pill, I guess, right? Because we're supposed to stay where we are. It basically is three parts that you put together to make one drink. The first thing mm -hmm. that you're going to do is you're going to make these really beautiful sugar crusted blueberries. So you need a quarter cup of granulated sugar, a quarter cup of hot water. You're going to mix both of those things together until the sugar is dissolved and you're making a simple syrup. That's basically what you're doing. Then you're mm -hmm. going to take uh, five blueberries. You're going to dip them into that simple syrup. And then you are going to um, kind of put them in a bowl of sanding sugar or sprinkles that are blue color. Um, you can find a, you can find that at any grocery store. They have blue sanding sugar and you just make these really beautiful kind of crystallized looking blueberries. They're real pretty. And you're going to set those aside. And that gives me the thought that you could probably do that with other fruits for your cocktail uh, to jazz them up and make them look extra fancy. So uh, keep that in mind, I guess, for the future. Absolutely. Yeah, they're really easy. It really doesn't take very long to make. And then you can set them aside and you can have them as a garnish, especially if you're having like a fun party. Uh, it's a great idea. So food for thought for next time. The second part is um, an ounce of blue curacao, an ounce of any vodka of your choosing, two ounces of coconut water, and then a half an ounce of lime or half of a fresh lime juice. Okay. You're going to put all that in a shaker and you're going to shake it up with some ice and you're going to put it into a short glass with some ice of its own. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to top with the third part, which is a coconut floater. That is going to be a, a tablespoon of full fat coconut milk and half a tablespoon of blue curacao. So you're going to mix all that together uh, to make this, it, it's kind of a blue milky substance and you're going to float that at the top of this drink. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to take those beautiful sugared blueberries. You're going to put them on a cocktail stick and you're going to lay them either in or on top of the drink. And it's going to look beautiful and very, very blue. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very, very blue. Uh, yeah. This drink, it looks really cool. So when you pour that, um, that like coconut milk and blue curacao mixture in, it kind of, I don't know, it kind of like it makes like these striations like down through the drink. It kind of looks like a, like the matrix lines, like coming down and you have the blueberries on there. Uh, it's really good. It's very kind of tropical tasting with the curacao and the coconut water and coconut milk. Um, it's really good. I have to say that after, after it sat and got mixed up a little bit more, I thought it tasted better. Like once the like coconut milk kind of integrated like fully with the rest of the drink, it, it got a little bit more uh, balanced out, but uh, gorgeous, gorgeous looking drink. If you're doing a, uh, matrix uh, party or, you know, anything else where you'd want some kind of fancy looking blue drink, this would be an excellent one. Yeah. And I was surprised because you're not a super coconut fan, but you even mm -hmm. really enjoyed this drink. So it's not so coconutty that uh, you should stay away from it. If coconut's not your thing, I still encourage you to try it. It does look mm -hmm. really cool. And um, I was pretty impressed with myself for putting it together. Um, because yep. it looks, it looks like it's way harder work. And I know I've said a lot of ingredients, but check out our page. It's really not that much. Uh, it's, it's worth it. Try it. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. It's, it, yeah. It came together really simply for all the, for all the ingredients. So yeah, check out yep. the website. It'll have, you know, pictures and the recipe on there to, to get those. So you can keep track of them. Um, and yeah, drink the blue pill if you want to stay in your, your present day and your, in your happy life. But 
If you want to go and see how far down the rabbit hole goes, see what reality is, you're going to need a red pill. So how do we make that one, Michaela? That is much easier. And it is uh, lots of red stuff. So it's two ounces of pomegranate juice. You can buy 100% palm. I think that's what it's called. It's at the grocery store. It's really easy to Mm -hmm. buy. Uh, One and a half ounces of bourbon, any bourbon you want. Half an ounce of Chambord or any other raspberry liqueur. And then a teaspoon of pure maple syrup. What you're going to do is you're going to take those ingredients. You're going to put them into a drink and you're going to stir it. And then you're going to float half an ounce of lemon juice on the top using like a spoon. Okay. Mm -hmm. The lemon juice should kind of congeal and stay on the top. And then you're also going to float some club soda. If it's already cold, that would be really good because you only add uh, a couple of ice cubes to this drink. So um, Mm. you're going to float it with some ice, some club soda on the top. You would add gently at this point, because now your glass is kind of full. You're going to add an ice cube. Now, if you're going to do this the way that we did it, we used one of those really cool ice balls because it looked really awesome. And that's what I recommend here. And then um, you add a couple of pomegranate seeds and a sprig of fresh mint. And it looks real fancy and it tastes amazing. Yeah. Yeah. This one was, uh, this one's pretty good. And it, it looks really cool. Cause you get like the different, like, like layers of like the, the lemon juice and the club soda kind of on top. So it gives it like this, like shimmery look, I guess, like you'd be looking into like the looking glass, I guess is uh, what they were going for. And it's pretty cool. And like you said, this one is delicious. Um, now if I had to tweak this one at all, I would, I would think that it needs a little bit more of the whiskey flavor. So I think you could do that in two ways. I would, I would maybe like to try this again, swapping out the bourbon for a rye, which is a little bit spicier, um, has a little bit more heat. And I think it would cut through the pomegranate a little bit better. Um, or I would just maybe bump up the amount of bourbon a little bit and cut back on the pomegranate juice uh, just a little bit to, you know, bring that bourbon flavor uh, forward a little bit. Um, but yeah, otherwise this was delicious and this would be really good in the summer. Um, it's kind of like in the in the realm of like those bourbon smash drinks that are always really popular around the summer where you get like your fruit and your bourbon um, and the sugar, um, you know, and you kind of put that together, but that's kind of what this tasted like to me. How did you like this one, um, Michaela? I loved it. I really did. And one thing I will say is I've made a couple of these over the course of the day as we were watching the matrixes. Matrices. Matrices. That's right. And one of the things that I did notice is when I say stir it before you add the lemon juice and the club soda, I mean it. If you don't stir it, it's not going to taste like anything really other than pomegranate juice until you get to the last ounce. And then it's going to knock you on your butt because it is 100% bourbon at that point. And it tastes real good, but maybe it's not the best choice. So please do stir it because you won't get the full flavor profile unless you do that before you add the lemon juice and the club soda. So um, yeah, learn from my mistake, ladies and everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Learn from right. my mistake, so, everybody. Yeah, so so mix these up. They look awesome. Uh, check out our website. We'll have pictures of them, and uh, we'll have the link to, uh, like, so we got these from tasty.com. So, of course, they have very fancy, like, YouTube video of uh, putting these together. Uh, so check that out, too. So uh, now we have our red pill and our blue pill. Uh, and I guess we should uh, probably... I. I We'll have both of the pills and we'll just see what happens. So why don't we take a quick break and we will be right back to chat about the Matrix. Spoiler warning for the Matrix series. 
If you've not seen any one of these four Matrix movies, you should stop right now because we're going to talk about all four of them and you're not going to like it if we spoil them, okay? They're visually amazing. You should go watch them, but we're going to talk about all of them right now. So if you've not seen them, go get yourself a blue pill, get yourself a red pill. You probably won't even know what that means until you watch the first one. So make a decision if you want to go down the rabbit hole or stay in La La Land, and then join us, come back, and we can chat about it. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, so yeah, we are going to be talking about all four of the Matrix films. So we'll be we'll be kind of going through them. If you haven't had a chance to see the newest one yet that just came out uh, a couple weeks back, um, we will give you another spoiler warning before we talk about that. So if you want to, you know, kind of listen to the older Matrix uh, films and, uh, you know, and then hop off, uh, we will give you a heads up when we get to there. So, the Matrix, Michaela. The first Matrix came out in 1999, and then Matrix Reloaded and Matrix Revolutions. They both came out in 2003, and then Resurrections uh, just came out uh, in December of 2021. Um, the first three were directed by Lily and Lana Wachowski, and Resurrections was directed by Lena Wachowski. And these star Keanu Reeves, Carrie Ann Moss, Lawrence Fishburne, Hugo Weaving, mostly and uh and yeah uh, it's a star-studded cast uh 1999 the matrix uh let's try to, let's start with that one because that's where yeah. the matrix began uh yeah. it was uh it was nominated and received all four academy awards it was nominated for so it won for best sound best editing best sound effects and best visual effects and in the matrix michaela we are headed down the rabbit hole that's right um so I remember in 1999 seeing this and being absolutely astounded uh, visually by the visual effects. So I'm so glad that it did uh, get the kudos that it deserved for all of these um, nominations from the Academy because the first scene is really just knocks you out with how amazing it is. And it's still really good because we watched this uh, again, uh, to prepare for this podcast. And I still catch my breath a little bit in the very mm -hmm. first scene, right? Carrie Ann Moss is covered in like pleather and there are these cops that are looking for her and they find her in this room. It's this abandoned room. And she does this cool thing where she like jumps in the air and then the camera like freezes and shifts I have no, I still to this day don't know how they did it, but yeah. it's amazing. And it still looks so good. It's not one of those things where you can tell, you can see where the strings are 20 years later. It is mm -hmm. still amazing. So it's, it's super exciting. Um, the matrix is definitely, there's a reason why it won all these awards, right? It's yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, when it came out, it was mind blowing. And, and it's funny, we'll talk about it when we get to resurrections. And uh, it was kind of, it was kind of all this thing, right, where they had bullet time, they had like this 360 degree, like camera, like you said, that'll like pan around them as they're doing like this wire work. Um, because the Matrix pretty much is a kung fu film it's just set in a sci-fi sci, sci uh, background. Uh, but the story, it, it gets in, it talks about uh, Thomas Anderson, uh, also known as Neo, depending on which side of the Matrix he's in, who's played by Keanu Reeves. Um, and basically the first Matrix is just 
you know, him figuring out that there are these, you know, kind of parallel wor- worlds going on. So there's the world of the Matrix, which is the world that everyone sees. And then there is the real world, which is, uh, you know, what's actually happening behind because the uh, the machines have taken over. They have basically enslaved the humankind and turned them more or less into batteries to power themselves. Um, it's, it's a whole thing. Um, it's very it's very complicated, but I think what the matrix did really well in 1999, what it was that it was, it was complicated. Um, but you could still kind of wrap your head around what was going on. Um, for most people. Now, if you go back and watch it and I've watched it a couple of times here recently, just building up to, you know, to get ready for the new one and obviously, you know, for the podcast and stuff like that, there's so many layers. The Wachowskis like had all this stuff. It was so like, it was like a cultural, like commentary, um, and stuff that's still like super relevant and things. And there, there were all of these layers on it, but at the surface level, it was something that people could understand. And I think that that, you know, coupled on top of like what it looked like, um, what it was able to accomplish is why people really, really loved the first matrix. Absolutely. Yeah. The idea that what we see and feel is actually a computer program and that we are in reality being used to just just as a resource, right? So they keep calling people that are in the matrix like copper tops, right? Because they're batteries in reality. And would you want to make the choice, right? Would you want to take the red pill and see that in reality you're being used and the people that you've made, you think you've made connections with in your entire life, they're also being used. Would you want to leave all that or- Mm -hmm you know, for the sake of being in a place that's true and real, or would you rather stay in, you know, your prison basically, right? But you don't know Mm -hmm. it's a prison because it feels fine and it looks fine and everything seems real to you. And it just really, uh, on top of the visualization of that, it really hit that sort of heart space where you had to choose and think about if you were in that situation, what would you choose? Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a Judas character, right? There's a betraying character in the matrix in the original 1999 matrix that basically has made the decision uh, to take the red pill and then regrets it because he's like, this place sucks, right? The food is horrible. Uh, the chick that I like doesn't like me. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I, I'm, we're scared all the time because the machines can find our real spaces and kill us. And so it's, it's awful. It's, I don't like this. I want to go back. I, I didn't, you know, I should have, you know, made a different choice. And so he actually partners with the machines and there's this program that's inside the matrix that we call agent smith and uh, that basically goes and finds these like small rebellions um inside of the matrix and tries to bring them down right and mm-hmm. so this guy cypher is his name uh, again we said spoilers so cypher goes in and is like, like finds a way to meet with agent smith and like help bring down this entire crew but they weren't betting on the fact that, you know, they had Neo, who is kind of prophesized as being the one. And we don't really know what that means, but we think it means something real cool for, I don't know, most of the film. Because he's real yeah. fast and he's learning all the ways of the Matrix. Because since it's a program, once you're in the Matrix and you know it's a program, then you can bend the rules 
So you kind of defy gravity. You're faster than you normally are. It's kind of gives you these superhero powers. That's right. Yeah. You can, you can basically hack the matrix, right? Once you, once you figure out that it's just a computer program, more or less. And that's what Neo learns, right? So he is kind of taken under the wing by Morpheus who brings him in, who thinks that he is this uh, prophetic uh figure uh played by Lawrence Fishburne who's incredible um that's something else the matrix uh the cast was so perfect for all of these roles Lawrence Fishburne was great Hugo Weaving who plays Agent Smith uh was fantastic Carrie Ann Moss was like on this like skyward trajectory at that time like she was blowing up um with you know how great she was uh back then um but really everyone uh Joe Pantoliano who played Cypher um so so good uh but yeah, it's the the Matrix that just it changed the world. It changed what like action films were going to look like for the next like 10, 20 years. Um, you know, it changed Keanu Reeves' career, uh, definitely. Um, you know, it got him on this uh on this crazy path going from this into like John Wick and stuff. But yeah, I mean you can't really undersell like how like important to film the the Matrix was. Yeah, absolutely. And what was great about it is that they they kind of did this. It was the first time that I saw or remember seeing where they did the sequel. And then the, the sequel after that, they filmed it at the same time and they released mm-hmm. it at the same time. So I remember I was in I was in college during this time and we saw The Matrix. And when the, the year two, 2003, when The Matrix Reloaded and Revolutions came out, it was like pure mayhem everywhere. Like everyone wanted... You know, we the their phones there. So this was the beginning of cell phones, by, by the mm-hmm. way, everybody in 1999. And there's a phone in the original Matrix that kind of. Yeah, like they slides call out. It? They called it a giraffe, like a giraffe phone, because it oh, slides. Yeah, I don't know. They, no, okay. it, like the mouthpiece slides down. And mm. I never found one of those phones, but apparently they were real. They existed. They were being sold on, you know, some black market somewhere for thousands of dollars and i never saw one but the phones look so cool and the and the style that everybody wore all the black and the the long kind of trench coat cape thing that, mm-hmm. that, yeah. that neo wears yeah. and then you know all the hard like the super tight um pleather but it wasn't like i don't know it didn't look it didn't look inappropriate for given where they were. Right. And, and the mm-hmm. kind of the, I don't know how to say this, like the asexual look where you couldn't tell, mm-hmm. you couldn't, you know what I mean? Like the color schemes, if they were wearing white, like switch was a character in the matrix and very kind of ambiguous, right? Like they were wearing right. white mm-hmm. And you, and then the rest of them were kind of in this pleather, but the color scheme was really interesting. And it just, you didn't really know who, who people were by their dress. You couldn't put them in a box, right? You could not label them as saying, this is a man or this is a woman or whatever. And I really didn't know what to do with that in like 1999. Right. But by 2003, I think, you know, they did that even more in revolutions and reloaded and it was embraced even more because i remember in 2003 2004 all of like the halloween costumes were all the members and the different programs and the different characters of the film and everybody Mm -hmm. was everybody so there were you know 
people that were like, oh, I'm going to dress up as the twins or I'm going to, you know, and it, it didn't matter what you were and it didn't matter what they were. You just were going to dress up like them. It was like this right. huge, the costuming in general and the visualizations were just so great and really mm-hmm. eye-opening for the time. Yeah. And it was, I remember back to like 2003 when uh, Reloaded and Revolutions came out um, because, you know, like we talked about the Matrix was was such like this huge like phenomenon, like, you know, cultural like cornerstone um in films and then you know just general society so people were like super amped up for reloaded to come out um and like you said it, they both came out the same year uh reloaded came out in may i think revolutions came out in november um they filmed them together um so it was more or less supposed to be one movie now that would have been a really long movie it would have been close to five hours uh these films were very expensive and when they came out the reception was uh, hot and cold, I guess you could say. So some people really like dove into it because Reloaded and Revolutions really get into more of like like the lore and like what what is making the Matrix and what is really going on. It wasn't just like a rehash of the first Matrix. So I think some people probably wanted that and didn't get that uh, because this is <laughs> it's way more meta. It gets way into more crazy stuff. Um, we go to this place called Zion, which is like this civilization for all the people that took the red pill um, are all there and they're figuring out uh, what they need to do because war is coming. Uh, to Zion, uh, the machines have basically, you know, sussed out that this is where all these people are are going and and hiding and setting off from. Um, and in the meantime, you get a, a kind of like a, a third protagonist almost because Neo more or less frees Agent Smith from being an agent. Uh, somehow they're kind of tied um, in a way, uh, which is really interesting uh, to put your protagonist and your antagonist as kind of, you know, like the flip side of a coin here. Um, and, and yeah, it just goes into this, into this crazy stuff with Zion. Uh, the action is like super over the top. Um, but, but yeah, Matrix Reloaded. I, I don't remember. I didn't see this in the theater. I wouldn't have seen it until it came out onto home video. I don't think um, at the time. Uh, what about you, Michaela? What were, what were your kind of initial impressions of Reloaded when it came out? So I thought it was, it's part it's, it's part love story because there's a big Neo and Trinity kind of fall in love in the first one. And they're trying to figure out what they're going to do to help Zion in the second one. Neo keeps having these weird visions of Trinity dying. And he's like, I don't, I'll do anything to stop that. Mm -hmm. But it's also, you're right. Very esoteric and very, very thought provoking around. Well, you know, we heard a little bit that the matrix that we know in the 99 movie, the 1999 movie was like the sixth or seventh matrix. There were a bunch of different matrix matrices mm-hmm. before that, that failed right. because we made, because the, the computers were trying to keep us happy and they were like, well, let's make a paradise for all these folks. And it just didn't work. It goes much deeper into that in the reloaded and revolutions as who actually made the matrix and why did they make the matrix? And it turns out that Neo is, you know, the sixth or seventh version of the one, right. Mm -hmm. Where he, and he has to make a choice. And the reason why the matrix keeps being remade is because all of the ones of the past have seen that this is sort of an inevitability. Right. And they go ahead and acquiesce to Zion being basically demolished 
and they start again uh, and they kind of reload everybody into the matrix and it can take hundreds of years for this, all of these things to happen, but it kind of recreates their destined, I don't know, timeline of events. Mm -hmm. It, it's yeah. it's it's hard to really explain. Um, yeah. And I got to yeah. tell you, the first time I watched the Reloaded and Revolutions, I was like, what is happening? It was very cool. And the action scenes are amazing. But you were like, what, what? And what? <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> right. What? Are we in yeah. the Matrix? Are we out of the Matrix? What is happening? It's a little confusing. Yeah, that's right. It, it, it's a little confusing. The like the action pieces to me in these two feel maybe just just a little long. Um, I think you could have maybe trimmed those down a little bit um, and kept into the story. But yeah, it's it it's so it's so interesting. But yeah, it, it was so much different than what we learned in the original Matrix. And kind of the big the big takeaway, like you said. So we meet in uh, I think at Revolutions, the architect, and he's kind of basically summarizing the whole story so far. And like you said, you know, this was like the seventh version of the Matrix, and Neo's basically existed in all of them because he's more or less like a glitch in this program, and he always just keeps turning up. You know, no matter what they tried to do, no matter if they try to make it, you know, paradise or you know, a, you know a worlds at war, you know, all of this stuff, and they just they keep blowing it up and uh, keep trying to figure it out. Um, but Neo has kind of worked his way into figuring out how these uh, work more or less. And the way that he needs to stop this cycle is to sacrifice himself. Um, and that's going to basically end this war between the humans and the machines. Um, and that's going to basically reset everything, uh, get everything started back anew. Um, and and that's kind of how it ends. Like it ends in 2003, uh, pretty good, right? Like you you feel like that, okay, that wrapped up the story. Um, you know, whether you, whether you thought Reloaded and Revolutions were a little bit uh, too convoluted or you didn't like the way that they went, that kind of wrapped up the story. Um, and that seemed like that was all we were going to get. Um, now we had murmurings for a while about Matrix 4 coming out eventually. Um, apparently Warner Brothers was going to do it uh, without the Wachowskis. Um, yeah, you know, if they wanted to do it, that was great. If they didn't want to do it, uh, Warner Brothers still had plans to do it, and it kind of it kind of went back and forth for quite a while. But that gets us to to now, to present day, twenty twenty one, and Matrix Resurrections. Spoiler warning for Matrix Resurrections: We are going to talk about this film. So if you've not yet seen it, it's only been out a couple of weeks. Totally get it. Please pause. Go watch Matrix Resurrections. You can find it on HBO or you can go see it in a movie theater. Come back and we can chat about it. Yeah, so Matrix Resurrections. Uh, this was a film um, that I'd really been looking forward to like this whole year when they announced it. Um, it was one of the one of the ones I was really looking forward to seeing. I was pretty excited about it. Um, I really liked the, the lore and the world of the Matrix. Um, I was very excited to see, you know, these characters coming back again, seeing what they decided to do with this franchise, whether it was just going to be kind of like a, like a capstone or whether it was going to be more of like a, like a door opening to tell new matrix stories, um, uh, something along those lines. But, uh, Michaela, tell us about matrix resurrections. Were you, were you looking forward to this or did it kind of sneak up on you? This has been a crazy year. So I it kind of snuck up on a lot of people, but no, I've been looking forward to it. And I think we talked about it in one of our earlier episodes. I think that the original preview with um, 
Go Ask Alice as the song behind it is Mm -hmm. probably the best preview of a film I have seen in a very long time, especially a film that had uh, uh, other, like in a trilogy, right? It Where it had a past and you think it has a future, right? It's not mm-hmm. um, just kind of a standalone film. I have never wanted to see a film and been more excited to see like an ending to a series of films before as I was Matrix Resurrections, which is interesting because the Matrix trilogy is not my favorite trilogy of all time by far, mm. right? I mean, it's great, sure, yeah. but it, it's just not my favorite, right? But I was so excited at the end of that because it's got Neo, it's got a red pill, it's got a blue pill, there's Trinity in it, you don't know what's happening. And then there's this young guy being like, we're gonna go back to the Matrix. and. Behind that, you have all of these kind of homages to all three films and the best parts of the three films kind of find their way into the preview itself. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. It's so great. So I'd been really looking forward to it. I knew that given when it was coming out, I'd probably not make it to the theater. So I was super excited that I was going to get to watch it from the comfort of my own house. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I did. But yeah, it's... It's really interesting the way that they tried to pay, you know, kudos and give kudos to the last three films and keep some of the look and feel Mm -hmm. and obviously continue the storyline, but in a way that is kind of fresh because you're right. I think the first film, everyone was like, oh, it's good versus evil. The second and third were a lot more nuanced and complicated than that. And so it was like, well, what is good and what is evil? And somehow, like, is Smith a good guy at the end? I don't know. Like, how are we going to, and and then Neo kind of dies. And, but then, but does he die? And then the, right, you know, right. how, how, how do we, how does that work? And, and the, the Oracle, who is this amazing character throughout all the three, first three films, you know, mm-hmm. the Oracle, and then this little girl character, who's a program that, you know, it, it's, it goes again, again, it's very cerebral where it's like this, this program doesn't have a purpose. So they were going to destroy her. What happens to her? And at the end of the third one, they're like watching a sunset because that's all she does is she makes nice sunsets. And, I, you know, it's like, oh, does, does, does that program matter? Does that life matter? Even though it's not necessarily quote unquote useful, right? Like, and all of those themes are still very, very, front and center today and so to take all of that stuff and put it into the fourth one um yeah I was super excited about it and I think they do a really amazing job mm-hmm. yeah it's uh they <laughs> it, they do a really good job of paying homage to the first ones and it's in this like super super meta way where they're just talking about the first ones that and that they were basically just this video game that Thomas Anderson designed they just they just talk about it very matter-of-factly like it was just it was just this thing that he programmed um and that and then you you start to dig into it uh a little bit um and you know why he programmed the matrix to be like it was you know you find out why why morpheus was who he was and why and why trinity was this girl from the coffee shop that he kept seeing um and it's because they're basically reiterations of themselves so we learned this in um you know matrix revolutions when they're talking about you know this is the seventh the seventh version of of the matrix um all these characters have you know existed in all all the seven um and i think that that really works because one of the weird things about matrix resurrections is that we have a new morpheus we have a new smith um 
we have uh, the analyst who is new, who is basically taken over from um, the architect. Uh, so you have these new characters. Um, and at, at first you're like, that's that's kind of weird, right? Why is Yahya Abdul-Mateen playing Morpheus? Um, he's amazing as Morpheus uh, on a side note. Why is Jonathan Groff playing Smith? Also amazing as Smith. But why are they different? Um, and, and there are some real life reasons why they're different. Um, but in the in the scope of the story, it makes sense because this is the you know, this, I guess, would be the eighth version now of the Matrix. Um, and we see Neo and the way he looks in the Matrix is very different than, you know, the way he looks in uh, the real world, I guess. Right. Um, you know, he's the, he's this different man and all that stuff. Uh, but yeah, it's it's super, super meta the way that they handle it. Um, it almost like almost bad, but it works really good for this kind of story, I think. Yeah. I mean, it's in your face, even, even Neo or, or Thomas Anderson is like, wait a minute. <laughs> he's talking to his therapist, who's his analyst, right? The analyst. Mm-hmm. And he's talking, uh, who's played amazingly by. Neil Patrick Harris. Yes. Oh my gosh. So good. It's so, he's so crisp and clean and his blue glasses are ace. I'm telling you the, mm-hmm. the, the, the whole direction visualization of this film is just, it's amazing. So he's talking to him and he says, wait, so either I created a video game and I used everybody that I've ever met in this video game and I, I keep, you know, I got so into this video game that I couldn't distinguish between reality and the video game itself, or I am trapped inside of a computer program that is still using me as battery (laughs) fluid for a bunch of computers in a time and a space place that I don't know anything about and I'm trapped in it. So I don't know Mm. which one of these is right, but gosh, both of those seem like really bad options (laughs) of the reality. Like both of those sound not great. And it's, it's a lot more funny. I thought this one uh, mm-hmm. It had a lot more humorous moments. Yeah, it's a little bit more um, kind of character driven. There's there's less action, I guess, than in the first three. So you get more, you get to spend more time with the characters. Um, you get to really like sit down with Neo and Trinity, or you know Thomas Anderson and Tiffany, uh, as as they are here in the uh, in the Matrix world. You know, uh, just of them talking at the coffee shop, and I really liked that. Um, because because yeah as as we've gone through four matrix films now uh, it's basically a love story and uh you know between these two and how you know their love can basically overthrow uh this world of the matrix at any time and that's that's kind of the interesting thing that the the analyst figured out and uh he does that you know patrick harris he talks about how the um the architect had kept building these matrixes and they kept falling apart because he basically just kept doing them the same and Neo would show up and everything would blow up and then they would have to start over again. Uh, but he kind of figured out that he could take, he could take Neo, he could take Trinity. Um, and if you let them get close enough together that, you know, they could, the world could basically like, like feel their love, feel their passion, uh, but not let them get too close where they could, you know, ignite this, uh, <laughs> this matrix ending uh sort of uh, cataclysm right. uh and it's it's really beautiful and i really like that that was the direction that this ended up going right yeah at the end it's just a really sweet love story starring keanu reeves and carrie ann moss <laughs> that's what it all is um 
And it, it's wonderful because you don't see Keanu Reeves in like a vulnerable film very often. I mean, even mm-hmm. in the beginning, uh, well, I guess at the beginning of John Wick, he is vulnerable, but then he just kicks everybody's butt like for four films in a row, right? So right. You, you, and we love that. Like we as a world love somebody who's like totally hard and is a total, you know, badass who can like kill people with pencils, but also has a softer side. And so I think the world was just ready for more of that from, uh, and the matrix really was a great avenue for them to see that again. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you're right. It's much more character driven than the others, but the action scenes are still pretty great. We still use a lot of the same visualization techniques. So mm-hmm. you see a lot of the 3d cameras, you see a lot of kind of, they what did they call it? Bullet Bullet time. Bullet time, yeah. <laughs> You're like, we, yeah, around the, we need more around bullet, the, uh, time. bullet table. Yeah, bullet time. Oh, and it's so interesting the way that they created and the way that they totally out all of the kind of the Hollywood idea of the Matrix itself, right? I totally expect mm-hmm. something similar happening uh, in a studio somewhere where they had a bunch of big wigs around a board table where they're like, all right, we're going to make this new movie and we got to make sure it's got bullet time in it. And we got to make sure that, you know, do we, do we, you know, how do we, how do we handle this? How do we handle the phones? How do we handle, you know, and it's very similar where it's like, what are we even talking about? And poor, poor Neo, or, or in this case, I guess it's, he's not, he's in the matrix. So he's Thomas. He's like, I, hate everything and I don't feel for any of this stuff and he just is shoving these blue pills down because mm-hmm. his analyst keeps prescribing them saying keeps this is going to make you yeah. feel better and he's like I feel so empty and alone and I don't know it, I think it it's just super well done where you feel very disconnected from your life which I think a lot of people really that resonated with especially in this day and age where some people you know a lot of people haven't seen and, and been able to connect with their loved ones for a very long time. So they feel kind of like that, like they're watching life instead of mm-hmm. living it. Yeah. Very isolated. Yeah. Um, like you said, it's just kind of, kind of passing you by, but uh, yeah, I like that. Speaking of the, um, the action sequences, the um, kind of that, that chase sequence where Trinity is, uh, you know, on the motorcycle and Neo's on the back of the motorcycle and they're going through, um, <laughs> it was, uh, very unexpected. They, you know, the matrix is like taking over people and they're just jumping out of like windows of these skyscrapers at them. Um, <laughs> it, which is yeah. very, very dark. Um, but it, it looked really great. Like the, the design of it was, was very cool. Um, the special effects, I really like kind of that chase sequence. So it was kind of that big, set piece um because really we only had a couple of um of action set pieces kind of throughout this thing um but it, that was really great i really liked um you know going to going to the new city we got to go to io um and talk to niobe um and uh she was pretty awesome she was you know talking about how how basically you know they put us in the matrix and it's this it's kind of this you know machine that we're working on but everyone you know back before in Zion, uh, they just kept going to war, which is basically like this other kind of machine that humans, you know, kind of get trapped in. And that was what IO was supposed to be. It was supposed to be kind of this, um, kind of this common ground where people and the machines could, could coexist. They didn't have to necessarily be enemies or, you know, they, they could be enemies, but at least they could live and work side by side and not have to, you know, destroy each other and keep resetting the matrix, you know, just keep this, keep this wheel turning. Um, and right. I thought that that was really interesting. Uh, take as well. Yeah, for sure. And you could see 
that they set it up really beautifully in the third film for that idea, because mm-hmm. in the second and the third film, when, um, you know, they are in Zion and they're preparing for war and then they, they, they're starting to fight all these sentinels, which look like giant squid uh, machines that come mm-hmm. and like kill you. I, I don't really know how they do it, but they, they you know they come and they kill you. And so there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of them that are trying to take the city. And the only way to really, uh, their only real line of defense other than a bunch of guns is like a, an electromagnetic pulse. And so in the original trilogy they use that but then they turn around and say well now now we're completely defenseless because we need some machines in mm-hmm. order to work in order to right. defend ourselves so you know and the machines really need us because we aren't we give them energy right and we're able to figure that we're able to bridge that gap for them so that was i thought neat was at the end um they talk about that, you know, where one can't really exist without the other. And it's real subtle in the third one. And then they really open that idea up and explore it more in the fourth one, when they talk about IO and how, you know, Morpheus had this idea and then, you know, it's become something very different. And now we kind of coexist in a way. And that's why Niobe is so mad because she's like, damn it, Neo, (laughs) you're going to screw it all up again. Stop it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Just, just, just stop messing it up, please. Um, yeah, no, I, I really love that part. And I really love, you know, kind of at the end of it all, um, it was Trinity who, uh, basically hacked the matrix and, uh, set everything, uh, right. And, um, you know, then kind of in the last, last scene, we get, you know, kind of her, her ideas on how to rebuild the, uh, real world, which I thought was was really cool. So, uh, yeah, Matrix Resur- Resurrections uh, was was good. It was it was everything that I hoped it would be. Um, I, kind of reading, I a lot of the things that I've seen are that people seem pretty high on it. Uh, but we have to say it: this thing tanked. It, it tanked hard. So the budget for this was one hundred and eighty million dollars. Um, and it's, I don't even uh, know so far it's made, uh, not a lot. It's made like $40 million, I think back on that. Um, it, and yeah, I was part of it because it was uh, kind of crass platform. It was streaming. Now HBO came out and said that it had about five and a half million streams the first week, which isn't a lot. So if you, you know, turn those into uh, theater ticket dollars, that's maybe another, uh, I don't know, even, uh, you know, 20, 30 million dollars uh, on top of that, but it's it's going to fall well short of yeah, of its budget, um, which which isn't great. So I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully this finds life somewhere. Um, Michaela, what I guess kind of what were your general overall thoughts on this thing? We talked a little bit about it, and you know we talked that we were both pretty excited about it. But uh, you've had a chance to watch it now and sit on it for a couple of days. What did what did you think about Matrix Resurrections? thought it was really well done i think that people were expecting again people really liked the first one the second and the third ones did really well from the box office perspective they made a lot of money but they were also panned a lot of people who were huge fans really loved the look and feel but they didn't want to have to think too much about it in my opinion we got real lazy we're real lazy right so if we're gonna have to kind of 
think upon, you know, six or seven layers deep of this thought process of what is truth and what is real. And, you know, that we're going to, we're going to lose some audience members. One of the things Mm -hmm. that I loved about the Wachowski siblings was that they really didn't seem to care about that. They were like, we're going to make the movies that we're going to make. And so I thought it was really brave of Lana or Lena. I'm not sure how to pronounce her name, Um, but Lena Wachowski, I thought did a really great job of keeping that piece and not, and being fearless in exploring it. So I think that the people that are ready to receive that message got it. And I think Mm -hmm. that again, if you just wanted a good versus evil, then you were going to be disappointed. And I think it was almost inevitable that you would be because (laughs) it is not as simple as good versus evil because there's a lot of layers to the matrix and there's a lot of layers to life. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. As I get older, I, you know, and as we all got older watching these films, it was really easy. The first one, Agent Smith, bad. Neo and Morpheus, good, right? And then Mm -hmm. at the end, you're like, is Agent Smith bad? Is he bad? Can we use Mm -hmm. him? Is he going to, huh? And is is Neo good? You know, Niobe is like, you're going to screw everything up. You're going to kill a lot of people and you think that you're doing the right thing. And I need you to get out of IO because you're going to wake up all the machines and it's going to screw everything up. It was so good to see that, hey, it's not as black and white. Um, Mm -hmm. So it doesn't surprise me that some people didn't get it um, or that they wanted it to be more actiony. I mean, at some point, these these people are older (laughs) You know, right. Sure. 1999 was 23 years ago now. So yeah, yeah 20, long time ago. ago, guys. I mean, even if you were 30, then that's, that's a long, that's a lot. That's so. Yeah. I mean, it, it always, I think kind of had an uphill battle for it in terms of box office dollars. Like you said, it's, it's been 18 years since the first one, um, the mixed reception of the reloaded and revolutions, I think that probably played against it. I think just the time that it came out um, and the the state of the world, it was up against Spider-Man, which is, you know, this huge juggernaut for people. Um, so maybe a little bit of a hard sell, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm really happy with it. I really liked it. Um, I'm happy that it exists. And I, I like the way that it ended. It felt like it was, um, you know, it was suitable to end kind of these four films. Um, if you just want to look at, that and put a bow on it and say that's done i i feel like it did that really well i also feel like if they decide to do something else with it in the future um it's very easy to do that you know very similar to you know what happened with the 2003 film right if we never would have gotten this that would have been a fine trilogy of you know films that story played out um but you know it it kind of left enough little uh enough little gaps there that they could uh weasel their way back into the matrix and get something else um out of it and you know, I'm all for that too. I, I really like this world and um, would like to see more from it. But if this is if this is how it ends, I am happy with that. So yeah. on that note, Michaela, um, I, let's um, just before we before we head out here, we talked a little bit just about the cultural relevance of the Matrix. This came out the first one came out in 1999. We would have been 17, uh, you know, on our way to our senior years of high school. Uh, this was a prime time for us to be like, man, the Matrix is amazing. Look how amazing it looks. This is great. It was in a weird, uh, weird time of like technology. The internet was coming out. Uh, cell phones were coming out. Uh, 
DVDs were coming out. The Matrix was the first DVD I ever bought. Um, uh, so, yeah, it was it was just just weird. So let go back to uh, go back to ninety nine. I guess Michaela, uh, what were your what were your initial thoughts? Did you see that at the the Matrix at the theater? Or, or? No. So the first time I saw the Matrix was at my friend Becca's house. Uh, I was working at Starbucks at the time and she lived right around the corner from where my Starbucks was. And I was invited to do a sleepover with her and a bunch of her friends. And I was closing up shop. So I said, okay, I'll be there at like 11 o'clock. I can't believe I remember all this, but I do. And um, so I closed up the store and I went over and they said, we've been waiting to watch, to show you the matrix. And I was like, oh, okay. I mean, I like Keanu Reeves. He was good in speed, right? I mean, yeah. All right. And uh, I sat and watched it. Everyone else fell asleep about 20 minutes in, which is shocking and, and upsetting. I don't know how that happened, but I stayed up to, you know, the two hours to watch it. And um, the next morning I uh, went and got it at Blockbuster because that's how we got okay. movies back in the day. And yep. uh, I watched it again. And then the next week I did it again. I rented it again. Cause you don't rent it forever, right? You got to return it. So uh, it was on one of those kind of uh, reel to reel things where you could rent four movies a month for $10 oh, okay. or something like that. And so mm -hmm. it, it made it onto my, uh, onto my rotation a couple of times. And um, yeah, that's the first time. And I, I, I'll never forget it. It was an amazing experience to watch it then. But it was not in a theater. It was in front of a, of a TV. And it was still amazing when I saw it. Mm -hmm. um, but I was probably, I think I was a senior in high school at that point. because So it would have been early 2000, probably, when I actually watched it. Okay. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's very cool. Like I said, it was a, it was a big cultural cornerstone for for a lot of people especially yeah. people our ages so uh yeah excited to uh watch the resurrections excited to have our cocktails and to chat about it so everyone listening out there let us know uh, what you think about the matrix what you thought about matrix resurrections what you thought about reloaded and revolutions uh you know whether you saw these in theaters whether you watched them at home uh whether it was also your first dvd uh, it was a lot of people's first dvds because that was a, a whole brand new thing so let us know all of that and let us know if you decide to make one of these cocktails the blue pill or the red pill uh we want to know we want to see pictures of them because they're very cool looking um and you can find ours online so if you do any of that stuff drop us a line it's at drink the movies on instagram and twitter and facebook.com slash drink movies for pictures of ours and the recipes all that good stuff you can find that on our website which is www.drinkthemovies.com and you know after you have taken the blue pill or the red pill you should hop over to your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review and get subscribed michaela where should they do that you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere where Anchor Podcasts are distributed. We have two drops a week, and they are both awesome. So please like us, subscribe. Uh, if you want to, we really would love it if you'd leave us a five-star review. It helps us get Drink the Movies out there. Things are taking off this year already. We're super excited about all the things that we're going to be talking about and uh, drinks we're going to be exploring. We're going to have new merch out. It's going to be amazing. You don't want to miss it. Like and subscribe. Leave a five-star review. Do all the things. 
do all of the drink things. all the drinks drink all the <laughs> see drinks. all the movies <laughs> <laughs> and and see all the movies so uh yeah speaking of seeing all the movies we have a lot of movies to go for this year we have a lot of movies to go for oscar season so i think we better have another red pill uh and blue pill and that will give us the strength required to get into 2022 michaela that sounds great i've got I, we we there are big choices red pill blue pill i think we just need to do both maybe we can make a purple pill <gasps> yeah. Maybe the just, next Matrix will be in reality a purple pill. A purple pill. I don't know. We should give that a try. So why don't we do that? And we will be back next time on Drink, Drink the Movies. The Movies. Mr. Anderson. It's inevitable.